Good morning, Calvary. Excited to be here with you this morning. Excited to share with you what God's laid on my heart. Uh, It's kind of fun to see Pastor Chad all the way across the world and at Madagascar and what God's doing there. Well, I can't wait till he gets back because I need to do some little digging because if you pick up in that video when he went to introduce me, you hear a donkey going off as soon as he said my name. So I don't know... Don't know what happened there, but just kind of don't know what the problem is. But again, excited. Uh, Pastor Bill is in Asia, and those guys are traveling, having some fun. Wish I was with them, and can't wait to hear from them what God did in, at these countries and how Calvary for Future is going to be able to partner along with that. Now, I know a lot of you are probably sitting back asking the question, okay, Pastor Keith, you're the children's pastor, so who is with the kids right now? It's a great question. I went down right before service started, and I talked to all the first graders. I said, all right, first graders, you're in charge today. So they're living large. They have the candy out and everything else. They were ready ready to do. So if you go pick up your kids, they got chocolate over their face. It's because the first graders allowed them today. But no, uh, our preschool director, Lindsay Schaefer, is running point in our preschool. And then Lindsay Jordan, who helps out with me on a weekly basis in Kids Church, she's delivering a message today. And it's challenged the kids is what's in your backpack. And it really challenged them that, that this school year, that our schools need to see Jesus in it. So I'm excited. Yeah, amen. Is right. Are you ready to see what God does in Kids Church today through them? So. All right, so as I prayed and said, all right, God, what do you want me to share today? You know, I thought, okay, should I bring my puppets with me? Should we treat it just like kids' church? Should we get up and should I throw candy bars from the stage? You know, yeah, you guys are all ready for that. So, yeah, and I like, so I just started praying more. like, all right, God, and God laid this on my heart, and he wanted me to share this part. God has a vision for your life. God has a vision for your life. And I want to take the next few minutes and figure out that vision for your life. Because I think so many of us miss that part of it. And the reason I say it is because our frantic schedules push God to the fringe of our lives. And we begin to develop habits that distract us from the world and God. These seemingly insignificant habits begin to grow and multiply, eventually sending us spinning out of control. Everything becomes worthless. I want to tell you about a little slice of life that no one pays attention to. This little slice of life has the power to determine the direction and the quality of your life. It will overpower your prayers, worship, and your commitment to Christ. It's the thing that shipwrecks more individuals than anything else in the world. You'll either rule it or it'll rule you. And you have the potential to rule it. Today, I want to talk to you about the trash in your life. And I brought my trash with me today. And I've, I've been carrying it around all morning long. People kind of been giving me a weird look. But I'm used to that by now. So, But I want to talk to you about this. Your trash will either be ruled by you or you'll rule it. You have no idea just how powerful your trash can be. See, it seems the momentum of worship and the Bible studies that we do should be powerful enough that it should override the trash. Yet, it's still there. That's the power of the trash. 
And I could stand up here today and tell you about leaders who've lost leadership roles because they allowed trash to become a part of their life. And they didn't want to recognize it or they didn't want to deal with it at that time. They were ruled by their trash. And I know when I, I talk about trash, we immediately start to think about, okay, the trash stuff that builds up in our house, the cans, the, the paper, and all that stuff that we got to take out to the curb. But the trash that I want to talk to you about today is the sinful stuff in our life. The stuff that's dirtying up our life. And it keeps us from becoming who God wants us to be. Here are a few of them that I want to list today. Lust. Cheating. Lying. Stealing. Respect. Fame. And recognition. And to be envied. Others store away hatred and bundles of greed and jealousy. Some of us lock away our fears, our shame, and our guilt in our minds, where they rot away and spread throughout our body. Still other, others of us clutter up our lives with busy schedules, work, and leisure activities, to the point where we don't have time for the simple things in life, and the people who really mean the most to us. We fool ourselves into thinking that everything is okay. Think about that. Many of us have so much stuff going on. And our life is crazy. And we pull in the church parking lot. And we walk in the building. And we're good to put a smile on. Say, hey, I'm good. We don't like to admit and in reality, on the inside, everything's a mess. And church, these things are never, ever going away. Today, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to a story today that I've read many times that when I read this story, this, this is where the garbage, I see garbage in people's life. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 25, verse 24. And I want to read up to verse 29. It says, When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Esau, Esau, sorry, Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for a wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, I want you to really understand this story here, to really get an idea of these two guys. Now, Esau, he was a skillful hunter. He was known as what we would call today as a man's man. He, if he was around today, his, probably his two favorite stores would be Cabela's and Bass Pro. He would be there shopping and just like, that's where he likes to be at. Now Jacob, now Jacob, he was a little different. He was a little quiet. He liked to stay at home. He liked to help out with his mom. He liked to be around the tents. It's what we would call a mama's boy. I want you to see these two guys were different. Esau was born first, and this is what brings the tension. 
The birthright was granted to the oldest son in the family. With the birthright came three important things. If you have their birthright, you got double proportion of the inheritance. You also got to be the judge of the family after the parents were gone. A sense of blessing came with the birthright. Now, I'm the oldest one in my family, so I made sure I sent this to my sister. Say, look. But, so there was a desire for the younger brother. The younger brother to take the birthright from the older brother. If we read in verses 29 through 31, it says, Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. In families, the older brother never needs anything from the younger brother. Now, the younger brother always wants something from the older brother. Every once in a while, the older brother says, Okay, I need some help from the younger brother. There's something I need from him. Now the older brother, Esau, he comes to Jacob. He's been in the open country and he's famished. In other words, my man is hungry. He's starving. He says, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I am famished. I can relate to this story. We've all probably can relate to this part of the story. You're outside, you're working. Or you've been at work all day and you come in and you start opening the refrigerator, the cabinets, and you're looking for something to eat. I know at my house I yell at my kids, who ate all the food? I'm starving. And that's what Esau does here. He says, look, I am starving. And Jacob, he sits back. He's waiting doesn't even think twice about it. He says, all right, sell me your birthright. So the question comes, who would actually trade their birthright for a temporary bowl of stew? Church, I don't want you to do the same thing Esau is about to do. Because he had no idea what God, he, he has no idea what God may do through his life. Because he was willing to sell his birthright for something so temporary. And right now, you have no idea what God wants to do in your life. But so many times, we're quickly to say, okay, I'm going to do it my way. We're selling him out. And I read this story. Esau's trust, I mean, Esau's trash was his lust. He wanted something so bad, he lost for it and needed it. Jacob's was he envied something. See, Esau, he was willing to trade in what was rightfully his for something that was so temporary. In verse 32, we see, he says, look, I'm about to die. Esau said, what good is the birthright to me? I'm about to die. What why is the birthright even good to me? Why do I need it? And I scratched my head on this question because the thing is, is Esau was supposed to be this skillful man and supposed to be able to be a hunter. Why wouldn't he just go out in the woods and take care of something and get his food? And the reason being is because Esau's appetite became so enlarged, something actually happened 
in his brain. The last couple of weeks, Pastor Chad's been doing this sermon series, Mind Games. And I thought it would be cool if I wanted to do a little bit of digging into mind games, what happens to our brain when, we're, when things like this happen, when we're faced with things like Esau. And the first thing I found was, is this. They call it impact bias. It takes a simple appetite and magnifies it out of proportion. It tells your brain that this thing, experience, or person is going to be extraordinarily satisfying. The second thing that happens is what they call it as focalism. It focuses our minds on one thing and blurs out everything else. Your brain has the ability to put everything else around you out of focus and focus on one thing, one person, or one experience. Your brain changes when your appetite is inflamed. And these two things have the potential to determine the direction of your life. In verse 33, we see that Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Jacob wanted to make sure, hey, do you really want to do this? So Esau sold him his birthright. Esau sold his birthright for a temporary fix. He ate, he drank, and got up, and he left. So Esau despised his birthright. His future was changed because of an appetite that he couldn't harness. This is a tension that, no, that never goes away. Every single day of your life, you'll be tempted to trade away your future for something temporary. And the Bible says, so get rid of all filth and evil in your life. James chapter 1, verse 2. You have no idea what God might do through you if you surrender your trash to Him. So my question today is, what is your trash in your life that needs to be taken out? See, some of us have been carrying this bag of trash with us for a long time. We've been carrying it for years, and it's starting to get heavy, so now we're dragging behind. It's dragging behind us. It's there. And it's different for everyone. For some of you, it might be the trash of lust. You keep carrying this bag of lust around. And man, I want, man, I want to talk to you for a few minutes here on this, on this issue of lust. Because I want to say this is probably the biggest trash out there. This trash is destroying more homes More marriages. Because we can't recognize that this is trash. And then I got to get rid of it. Man, if you're dealing with lust issues, it's time to take out the trash. If you're finding yourself coming home and late at night you're flipping through the channels and you're watching shows that are causing you to lust, well, maybe, man, it's time to call our cable provider. And get rid of the cable. 
And you can say, oh, Pastor Keith, I don't got cable. I got a satellite dish. (laughs) Guess what, my friend? Call that company and say, come get this dish off my house. We got to be willing to say, I need to remove this. I need to get this trash out. I want to protect my home. I want to protect my marriage. Men, I encourage you starting in September to sign up for men's fraternity. Men's fraternity happens on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights. And this class is designed to help you to become the man of God that he's called you to be. It's going to deal with issues like that. So if I'm dealing with that and that's in my bag, today go to the Connection Center and sign up. Make that first step. Sometimes our attitudes are terrible. We whine and complain about everything. Our attitudes can become the trash in our life. You say, Pastor Keith, attitudes? Church, I've been there. Before I was called into ministry, I worked in a, in a job that I didn't like. And maybe you can relate. You might be working in one of those jobs you just don't like. And I remember getting up in the morning time and sitting there, telling myself I'm sick or, hey, I don't want to go on. And I remember just stopping my feet, even as a young man. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to do that. I hate my job. And my wife, being the good person she is, Marn would say, Oh, honey, now you have a good day and pray that God can use you in your company. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to go to work. Because the trash in my life and that bad attitude stopped me from being used. And we haven't. And I, and I can play that role pretty good because I see the kids down in kids' ministry do it all the time. <laughs> but don't let your attitudes be that trash. For some of you, your trash might be, be worrying. Are you going to spend your life worrying about things? Worrying about family, finances, worrying about this or that? What happens if this happens? What will I do? How will I ever survive? How will I pay the bills? And church, when we start to think like that, we're sinning because your mind is divided. You either walk by faith or you're walking through fear. We have to remember we don't need to know what's going to happen. We just need to know that God's in control of our life. So get rid of the trash of worrying. Perhaps the trash you need to take out today is a trash of Having the wrong friends. Now, what you're thinking, oh, Pastor Keith, we're adults in here. This is not kids' church now. We don't need to talk about friends. But I see it still with adults. We have a problem choosing our friends. We have to be careful about the friends we choose to hang around with. Although we're to show love and kindness to everyone, we have to be careful who we spend a lot of time with. If we're spending time with those who are trying to get us to do sinful things, we need to take out the trash. Now church, these few things I've said, I believe in them and I practice them in my life. This friend thing is very important to me. 
I have a friend here at the church that once a month we go to lunch together because I like to eat. That's the way I'm going to only meet him. Like, hey, you, you buying or I'm buying? <laughs> and we sit there and we talk. Okay, talk about our jobs. What's going on? Talk about what's going on in our families. Then we sit there and talk about, okay, what am I struggling with or what is he struggling with? How can I pray with him? How can he pray with me? See, this friend that I have, he also has the right to speak to me and tell me, hey, you know what, Pastor Keith? You stink right now. You got some trash in your life. Why, why are you thinking that way right now? Why would you do that? See, it's accountability, friend. And church, we all need to find an accountability, friend. Somebody who's going to hold us to the word of God. Someone who we can speak to. Someone I can call. I know I can call this guy anytime and say, hey man, will you pray for me right now? And he will. That's the friend that we need to have. So why should you take out the trash? Why is it so important? Some people teach that there's this long list of rules that you have to obey if you're going to be a Christian. But it's not about following the rules. It's not about being good enough. The reason I should take out the trash in my life is because this one, first one, is because I love Jesus. It's not about rules, church. It's It's about a relationship. I love Jesus, so I will get rid of anything in my life that breaks his heart. My love for him pushes me to take out the trash every day in my life. My relationship with Jesus pushes me to live a holy life. Holy means clean and free from sin. This is where sanctification comes in. See, sanctification means to make holy, to concentrate, to separate from the world, and be set apart from sin, so that we may have an intimate fellowship with God and serve Him. Scripture standard of sanctification expressed in such terms as love. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Sanctification was God's will for the Israelites in the Old Testament, where they were to live holy or sanctify lives, separated from the lifestyles of the nations around them. Sanctification is a requirement for believers in Christ. Scripture teaches us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God's children achieve sanctification by faith, by union with Christ in his death and resurrection. Sanctification is both a work of God and a work of his people. In order to accomplish God's will and sanctification, believers must participate in the Spirit's sanctifying work by ceasing to do evil, purifying themselves from everything that affects their body, and keeping themselves from being polluted by the world. Let me see that part again. We live in a sinful world. Every day you turn it on, there's something crazy happening. And our job is to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world. True sanctification requires the believers maintain an intimate communion with Christ, engage in fellowship with believers, devote themselves to prayer, and obey God's word, be sensitive to God's presence and care and love righteously and hate wickedness and put sin to death. Submit to God's discipline. 
The other reason I choose to take out the trash is this second reason this. It's because I want to grow stronger as a Christian. I want to grow stronger. And so many times in our mind, we say, hey, pastor, you know what? I'm at this age right now. I'm pretty good as a Christian right now. There's no room for me to grow. Baloney. I'm 39 years old, and I know I'm still not done growing. And I know God doesn't want you to be done growing right now. I want to grow stronger as a Christian. Keeping sinful trash in my life will keep me from becoming who God wants me to be. I can't grow stronger as a Christian if I allow sinful trash to remain in my life. It's very important that we take out the trash so that we can become stronger Christians and not end up, not end up making a mess out of our lives. I know some of you know me and my family, and some of you don't. And uh, today I thought, well, I'll bring a picture of my family in. So this is my family. This is my wife, Marn, and our oldest daughter, Caitlin, then Lauren, then Zach, and then Brianne. And just like every family that you have kids, there seems like there's pets involved. And we have, we have a pet, we have a ginger, our dog, and our latest addition is a rabbit there uh, named Zoe. And so I'm very blessed, church. I love coming home to these guys. And there's lots of laughter in our house. If it's, if it's quiet, I'm concerned there's something wrong. But I also know this. This size family... There's a lot of trash. There's a lot of things that we're constantly putting in the waste back basket in the kitchen. And so my wife Mara and I decided that, hey, you know, each week it, it's going to be one of the kids' job to take out the trash. They're going to they're gonna see that it's full, and then they're going to take it outside, put it in the big container, and then on, then on Thursday when the trash comes, they're going to wheel the big thing out there, and, and then put it out by the curb. Now they have two choices. They can say, yeah, Dad, I hear you, but we're going to just let it go. And then by doing that, what happens is it starts to fill up. Then it starts to overflow. Then it starts to be on the floor. And it becomes a stinking mess. Or their other choice is, they can stay on top of it and remove it daily. They can keep checking and say, okay, man, the trash can's full. I got to take it out. Or their third choice, choice what they can do is listen to myself or my wife, Mara, and yell, Zach, take out the trash. It's full. And I believe that's what God wants you to hear today. It's time to take out the trash. You weren't made to walk your life with carrying this bag everywhere you go and drag it with you. You weren't made like that. I don't know about you. It's getting old carrying that. Some of you are broken. Some of you don't know which way to turn. Some of you almost wish you weren't even alive today because you've been carrying the weight of this trash with you for years and you can't find anyone to take it. And let's be honest. You don't want my trash bag. 
and I don't want yours. So who takes it? Who, who's going to have it? Church, I believe there are four things that would help us to remove the trash in our lives. The first thing is this, a relationship with Jesus. Our trash can only be removed if we accept Jesus as our Savior. When we believe and follow Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we are given eternal freedom from our own sin. When Jesus sets us free from sin, we will for eternally be free indeed. No one wants your trash except Jesus. And he's saying today, hey, you've been carrying that way too long. Why? You don't need to carry it. He's saying, give it to me. I'll take it. The second thing is prayer. Our time spent with God. The third thing is Bible reading. The Bible is living and active today. is isn't just a book of stories. It's a book that shows us what God has done for us and what he would do for us. It shows us how we're supposed to live our life. And, and prayer in, in the Bible. Let me, let me just touch on this for a second. I heard this teaching by Bill Hybels. And Bill Hybels was talked about that so many times in our lives... Everything is just crazy and busy. We take our smart devices and we, we program them to tell us when we got to take a drink of water. To when we have to be here and there and do all these things. But there's nothing there that tells us when we're supposed to take time to have our prayer and our Bible reading. And he, and he challenged people to say, look, okay, I want you to have chair time. Chair time. What that is, is 15 minutes a day with God. To find a chair in your home. To open the word. Read it and pray. Church, imagine if you took 15 minutes a day with God. Our lives would be changed. 15 minutes. That's nothing. The fourth thing is attendance at church. Church attendance is, is important. It's where we grow. It's where we worship Him. It's where we serve Him. Now, I'm going to go on record to say this, and Pastor Chad's not here, so I can get away with this a little bit right now because he, he's, he can't hear it right now. Church attendance. You're here today. That's great. But do you know that average family only attends church Two times a month. That means the other two times that month, we are so busy with sports stuff. And, and I'm going I'm to say, I love sports. My son played travel baseball and did all these things too. But everything now is starting to become more important than church. Church attendance is important. And you can say, Pastor Keith, well, you guys now, I can get on the internet and watch it live. I don't need to come to church. That's not why we did that. You're supposed to be here. That's where God attended to believe. And church, I believe if we're missing one of these four things, we're going to struggle with taking the trash out of our lives. We will always carry this bag of trash with us. Now, every summer... My kids love it 
Memorial Day weekend because they know that's the day that dad opens the swimming pool. And if you have a swimming pool, you know the work behind it. You've got to pull the cover off and then you've got to start filling it up with some water. And they love to jump in right away. And they jump in and they're like, dad, jump in with us. Because their lips are all purple and their teeth are chattering. And I'm like, no, remember, I'm older and wiser than you. I'm not jumping in that cold water. But they're in there. They're loving life. I think it's the best thing. It's always a sad day when we close our pool. Tomorrow we, we'll make that day and start closing the pool. And, and I'll watch the lips kind of poke out and kind of be, oh, the swimming pool is closed. Dad, why are you closing it? It's still warm enough. And over the years of having a pool, I've learned to be really good with the water. I can look at the water and say, yep, the pH is a little low right now, or hey, I need to add this. And then, you know, the kids see it, it turns a little cloudy, or the water starts turning a little green, and I'll go out and add it, and the next day, it's clear, and I stand there like, your dad is so smart. Your dad is the man. And they just roll their eyes and laugh, but or you can take the pool water and ignore it and end up like this. That's pretty good right now. Right there. See, this is not my pool, so. But this is a friend of mine, and they went away for two weeks, and they didn't put any chemicals in. And the water changed. And those four things I listed, if we start letting those go out of our life, our life starts to look like this. It starts to turn a little green. It starts to smell a little bit. And that's not what God wanted for your life. See, God has a vision for your life. He has plans for you. But we can miss those plans just like Esau. So what do you do? You need to refrain. You need to look at your life and see the trash and say, in the light of my future, is it really worth trading my future for this? Is it worth trading the ultimate for the immediate thing right now? So the question again is, what is your trash right now? What are you trading right now for your future? What are you training right now? Whatever it is, we need to give it to God. This week there was an article that was forwarded to me from the USA Today, and maybe you read it. And usually I get these articles, and I'm like, okay, do I have enough time to read them or whatever? And it kind of gets in this other box I put it in, and I'll get back to it if I can. But this article caught my attention because it was dealing with the chef. And I, maybe it caught my attention because the word chef, and I thought, oh, there's food, I'm going to learn how to cook, I'm going to be good here, and thought something there. So as I opened the article and started to read about the chef, the chef was making a, a big soup for everybody. And, and he was using something special in his soup, and it was a snake. And he would take the snake, and he cut off the head of the snake, and chop off the rest of the body and put it inside the soup. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah. But the snake that he used was a king cobra. 
Now, if you know anything about snakes, you know this is a deadly snake. If it bites you, you only have a matter of a few minutes in time to get what you, the right medicine in you or you die. So my question was when I read this article, man, why is this guy messing with these snakes? That's crazy. I don't even like bugs. I wouldn't even go near that snake. And so what happens? He gets all the body in the soup. The soup is cooking. It's, I don't know what it smells like. He decides, okay, I'm going to clean up. What you need to know about snakes are this. When you chop off the head of the snake, they can stay active for a while. So he already chopped the head of the snake off, and he put it up here in the front where he's prepping everything else. And like a good chef, he starts to go back, and he's cleaning everything up. He grabs his trash bag, and he stands up, and he, he brings it up to the table, and he's putting all everything else away in it, and he reaches for the snake head, and it bites him. Ends up the bite, it bites him and ends up killing him. So my first question, I mean, the first thing I do when I read this, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm like, wow. Wonder how the soup tasted. <laughs> that's just my crazy mind, so I apologize for that. <laughs> then I started sitting there thinking about, man, why would you do that? Why? And as I sat there more and thought about it, it hit me on this part. If you don't take care of your trash, it can come back and get you. Let me say that again. If you don't take care of your trash, it can come back and get you. Today, our worship team led us in a song, Oceans. And I love that song. It's one of my favorite songs. I love playing it multiple times in my house. And the, the bridge, the part of the song gets me every time. And if you know anything about me, my music talents, I, have, I don't have any. So you should be impressed that I know what the bridge is. And the bridge says this, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Today, church, I believe a lot of us have been carrying this around way too long. And Jesus is saying, man, you don't have to carry this no more. I've died on that cross for you. I died on that cross for your trash. And see, God has a plan for every single one of you in this room. And what gets in the way of that is this. And we miss that opportunity. And today, I don't want you to miss the opportunity anymore. No matter what your age is, Today, you can surrender it to God and He can still use you. And today, that's what I want you to do. I want to give you that opportunity to say, Look, Jesus, here it is. Today, I drop it at your feet. I don't want to carry it no more. And He's saying, Yes, that's right. I'll take it for you. 
So with every eye closed, every head bowed right now, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Keith, that's me today. I've been carrying some trash around and I'm tired of it. I want God to use me. So today I want to surrender it. That is you today. And you're ready to surrender your trash today. Just raise your hand. You say, that is me. I got stuff. Yes. Hands up all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Today. No more. You don't have to carry it no more. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you came and you died on a cross so we don't have to carry our trash around anymore. Jesus, you know every person that raised their hand in this room today. And you know what they're dealing with. God, I just pray that you just help them right now to ease that weight in their life. Speak to their hearts today as they surrender this to you. Let them hear your voice today. Let them hear the things that you have planned for them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Church, I invited the worship team to come back. And I'm going to ask that you stand with us in the next few minutes here. And I asked them to sing that bridge of that song. And today, if you're ready to surrender your trash, if you're ready to say, God, there's no more. I want to deal with this. It's been way too long. Today, just lift your hands today and surrender it to him. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can surrender our garbage to you. 
God, we ask you that this week that you continue to challenge our hearts, continue to show us what we need to take out of our lives. And God, we stand here today and ready to be used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, church, I want to leave you with one more thought. This week, all of you have a garbage day. It's a day that the city or whoever you pay to pick up your garbage. And that night, you're going to have to roll that garbage can out there. And when you roll that out there and you drop in your bags of garbage, I pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to you this week as you drop your bags in and says, okay, this is what's in your life right now. This is what you need to surrender. Go and have a great week. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today. Pastor Bill and Pastor Chad is back next week. I pray that this week will be the week that you can speak into somebody's life. Have a great week. Thank you.